0: Then uh, we're in Luke chapter 17, and we're looking at verses 20 through 37. I'm gathering my thoughts up here right now. They're all over the place. title of our message today is, You'll Want to Be Left Behind. Or if you don't think that's clever enough, prophecy is for the birds. You'll see that in just a minute. Anyway, chapter 17, verses 20 through 37. Let's read that. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come and you will desire to see one of the days of the son of man and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together, the one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one will be taken, the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Let's pray together. Lord, we need your insight into this scripture and we desire your wisdom, Lord, that it would be applied in our lives in a way that is meaningful and in a way that speaks of wanting, Lord, to just please you because that's what we were created to do. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here and reveal Jesus to every heart, believers as well as unbelievers. We pray in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. You've undoubtedly heard of the Left Behind series of books written by Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. They are Christian fiction that depict life in the biblical end times during what's called the Great Tribulation on Earth. They are the best-selling adult fiction of all time. The fifth and sixth books in the series both made the top ten on the New York Times bestseller list, and the seventh book made its debut at number one. The title, Left Behind, is a warning to be ready when Jesus returns to rapture the church. If you're not ready when Jesus returns to remove believers off planet earth, you'll be left behind to endure the awful tribulation that is coming on planet earth. You definitely do not want to be left behind at the rapture. But there is a time when believers will want to be left behind jesus gave his disciples some insight into his second coming to earth at one point he described people being taken but other people being left behind his disciples were confused they asked him where lord they wanted to know where some people would be taken and jesus answered and said wherever the body is there the eagles will be gathered together well there it is what is that Well, it's actually a very good answer, as it turns out. The word translated eagles is vultures. He was talking about scavenger birds who feed on dead carcasses. Is that a redundancy? Is a carcass necessarily dead already? Is that one of some of you who are teachers? All right, I've caught myself. As opposed to living carcasses. (laughs) Jesus was describing a scene of death and carnage. I don't know, I love the word carnage anyway you can read all about this in the last book of the bible the revelation of jesus christ at his second coming jesus returns during a great battle on the earth it's called the battle of armageddon because it takes place in the valley of megiddo uh... israel all the armies of the world are gathered together but when they see the lord returning they attempt to fight against him this is a bad idea Rather than me telling you about it, I want to read you a long passage from Revelation chapter 19. You could turn there if you want, but it'd be better if you just followed along. Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come gather together for the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, the flesh of all people free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake, burning with fire and brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh did you notice the several references to the scavenger birds it's the same future event Jesus was describing in summary to his disciples in Luke 17 at his second coming some people will be taken others are left behind the unbelievers who are fighting against Jesus will be taken away to judgment Believers who survived the great tribulation will be left behind on the earth and that will be good. They will be left behind at that time to enter into the kingdom of heaven on earth that Jesus will establish at his second coming. Don't get confused. Jesus promised to return and remove his church in an event we call the rapture. The rapture precedes the great tribulation. It comes before the great tribulation at the rapture. You will not want to be left behind. Jesus also promised to return to earth to establish a kingdom on earth in an event called the second coming at the second coming. Well, excuse me, the second coming follows the great tribulation. And at his second coming, if you are a believer who has survived the great tribulation, you will want to be left behind to enter into the kingdom on earth. You don't want to be left behind unless you are left behind and then you'll want to be left behind. (laughs) Makes perfect sense. It actually does. And you know what I'm talking about. We'll organize our thoughts around two points. Number one. You can miss Jesus when he's right in your midst. And number two, you will miss Jesus until he's back in your midst. Let's take a look first in verses 20 and 21. You can miss Jesus when he's right in your midst. As we pick up our story, the Pharisees asked Jesus a question. When will the kingdom of God come to earth? It seems to be a reasonable question. First, John the Baptist, then Jesus had been going around declaring that the kingdom of God was at hand. Okay, when would they see it? In fact, though, this is one of the saddest questions that the religious leaders ever asked the Lord. And I believe that it filled his heart with grief. It indicated that they had totally misunderstood everything Jesus had said and done up to that point. Now, before we go on and see why, I began wondering which of my questions show a sad misunderstanding of the nature of God. After all God has done for me and for you, if you're a Christian, and we we couldn't, we really can't even pause to catalog and list all the things that the Lord has done, sending Jesus to die for us and to rise from the dead that we might have eternal life promising us and delivering on that promise with the indwelling presence of the holy spirit the book of ephesians says we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places and the word all there means all and it's just a phenomenal uh, grace and mercy that god has given us and done for us and yet I still am prone to ask him why he allows certain things or I demand to know when I can expect certain things or where my life is heading or how he is going to accomplish his will. Now, I'm not suggesting that we quit pouring out our hearts before the Lord, but I am suggesting that we think about what we're asking him sometimes. And when we get into that area of demanding that he answer these types of questions, I think the Lord would say, Gene, haven't I done enough for you to show you that I love you and that I only want what's good for you and what brings glory to me? Do you really need to know why and when and who and how and does it matter in the long run? Wouldn't it be more discouraging right now if I tried to tell you my plan without a context? in a way that you could never understand how it would work out anyway, because you're, you, you, and you're already not trusting me. And so it would be better sometimes to just throw ourselves on the Lord's mercy and to just thank Him and be grateful that we know Him. Now, getting back to our story, why was their question so sadly inappropriate? Well, it's because the kingdom of God was right in their midst, but they missed it. Verse 20, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Let's talk about this word observation. Jesus does not mean that the kingdom of God cannot be observed or seen. He does not mean that it is secret or spiritual. He does not mean there will be no signs that announce its coming. His use of the word observation means that they didn't recognize the kingdom of God because they were observing it, looking for it incorrectly. They were expecting the kingdom of God to come the way other kingdoms come with political and military revolution. They thought that it would be like the Persians overthrowing the Babylonians, or the Greeks overthrowing the Persians, or the Romans overthrowing the Greeks. Now it would be the, the, their Messiah overthrowing the Romans. Jesus was letting them know that they were observing this, they were looking for this in vain, because that's not at all how the kingdom of God was going to come. God hadn't been doing things according to their expectations from the very beginning. Jesus was born, not in a great palace, as you would have expected, the king of the Jews, but where? He was born in a manger. The wise men came seeking him who was born king of the Jews, and where did they go? They went to Herod's magnificent palace, believing that he must be born there. And then, Herod called some wise Jews, some scholars, and they said, where is the Messiah going to be born? And they said, oh, we can tell you he's going to be born uh, in Bethlehem. But nobody was there looking for him to be born except that the angels announced it and a bunch of shepherds came who were guarding their uh, sheep in the fields. And so from the very beginning, this thing, the kingdom of God, was nothing like Any other kingdom that men had ever observed before. Then Jesus lives this obscure life for about 30 years. Nothing really happening in his life from a historic point of view. Then he bursts onto the scene announced by the worst PR man of all time. John the Baptist. How would you like to have this guy as your front man? Guy comes out of the wilderness all wild eating locusts with honey on, at least he had some honey on him, and, and this weird clothing telling everybody to repent. John, can you back off a little bit maybe? This is not how we do things in the first century. And then his personal choice for disciples when he does start his ministry were mostly ignorant fishermen and a few other very questionable folks. In fact, Probably the best among the disciples, from a human point of view, was Judas. And that didn't turn out so well, did it? And so this was not like any kingdom that people were expecting. You see, the kingdom of God was in their midst, because Jesus was on earth. But they missed it. Their expectations led them to the wrong observations. Now this helps us understand a greatly misunderstood statement in verse 21, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Now, Jesus is talking to unbelieving Pharisees. He was certainly not teaching that they had God already within them or that everyone has a spark of the divine or any other such drivel or nonsense. That's not what this means. The words within you mean in your midst among you and that is what they mean here with jesus on earth the kingdom was at hand he could have established it as promised in the old testament but they did not recognize jesus as their king in fact they would refuse him and they would reject him as their king now you can see and perhaps even feel why their question was so very sad it put a spotlight on their hearts revealing their ignorance of exactly who Jesus was they missed him and thus missed out on the kingdom these were guys who had all of what we call the Old Testament memorized they could quote it verbatim these were guys who studied the scripture night and day these were guys who were the spiritual giants of their day who were Looking for the kingdom of God to be established. And then here comes Jesus in the fulfillment of so many Old Testament prophecies. Performing all of the signs and wonders and miracles that the king of the Jews would perform. And they have this confrontation. Jesus saying the kingdom of God is among you. And they say, okay, well, when is this going to happen? It is a total blank, total ignorance, total misunderstanding of everything that the Lord had done to that point. It's not too different today. Unbelievers still have their own observations about God, their own ideas and expectations of what God should be like. Uh, talk to the average unbeliever. If there is, is there such a thing? It's probably a bad. The average unbeliever. I polled the average unbeliever this afternoon. I don't know what that is. Talk to an unbeliever. And uh, why does God allow this? What's up with hurricanes? What about the tsunami? I mean, everybody's got their own, you know, observation of of what's wrong with God or, or of how they can't really enter into thinking about God. The gospel is preached to them. Jesus is clearly revealed to them, but they miss him because he doesn't fit into their way of thinking. Sometimes you share the Lord with people and they don't really seem to respond positively, do they? It's kind of hard to share the Lord. And then when they don't respond, you feel like a failure. Imagine if you're the Lord sharing the Lord. You ever think about it that way? I'm Jesus. I'd like to share Jesus with you. And that's essentially what Jesus was doing. And they said, well, okay, well, we we don't understand any of that. Actually, it would have been better if they said we don't understand. They said... Well, where is it? Where is Jesus? I'm Jesus. It's like who's on first almost. They're they're just not getting it. Now, unbelievers miss Jesus when he's right in their midst. It's beyond sad. It becomes tragic because there is no other solution for their sin but to receive the Lord and be saved. Jesus used the question of the Pharisees as an occasion to explain some things about the future to his disciples. If their question caused him grief... He turned to His disciples to give them encouragement because he, he knew that the kingdom was going to be delayed and that there were going to be some hardships ahead for believers. And so, verses 22 through 37, you will miss Jesus until He's back in your midst. There's a lot of Bible prophecy in these remaining verses. The details are not as wonderful as the desire Jesus mentions right at the beginning. In verse 22, He said... The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. Now, Jesus would be refused and rejected by the religious leaders of Israel. As a result, he would ascend into heaven without establishing the kingdom of God on earth. It would be delayed. He would be absent from the earth for a time. He's still absent from the earth. We're still waiting for that time in his absence. Believers would desire to see one of those days. In other words, they would miss Jesus. Even though God is everywhere present, even though Jesus promised to be spiritually present in our gatherings, even though God, the Holy Spirit, actually takes up residence in the heart of every believer, you still miss Jesus. You long to see him face to face. It shows no lack of faith to say so the Bible says now we see through a glass darkly we we don't see Jesus face to face and in those times when you are refreshed in your first love you have that aching and longing in your heart in a good way to be with the Lord to see the Lord to be done with this life and its pain and its sorrow and its suffering. But more than that, not just to escape, but to be in the presence of the one who loves you so much. And you shouldn't be ashamed to admit that. That I just, I just want to be with Jesus because of all he's done for me. I love him and I want to be with him. What would it be like, life on earth without Jesus? Jesus. Well, the Lord skips over many centuries of human history and describes what it would be like on earth just prior to his second coming. All of these comments in verses 23 through 37 are set in the future great tribulation that will come upon planet earth for seven years prior to the second coming of jesus there is no talk or thought in these verses about the rapture of the church these are looking beyond our own time beyond our own age the people jesus was describing were believers mostly jewish believers who survive until the end of the great tribulation to see his return and he says in verse twenty three they will say to you look here Or look there, but do not go after them or follow them. The final years on earth before the Lord returns will be a time of great spiritual deception. The devil himself will be cast down to planet earth and he will inhabit and indwell the Antichrist. This man called the Antichrist. There'll be a false prophet. There'll be all kinds of wild spiritual things going on. We see some signs building to that effect today. We're not in the Great Tribulation. We're not going to be in the Great Tribulation. But things are kind of falling into place, getting, us, getting the world ready for it. For example, cults and the occult are flourishing. I'm not even going to give you any statistics or anything. It's just true, and everybody knows it's true. Practices that would have been considered demonic or at least weird even a few years ago are now mainstream, such as? mediums come right into your living room on television. People who are contacting the dead and, uh, you know, they're on Oprah and all these different shows. You know, the one guy crossing John, what's his name, who crosses over. And so they have him on there and he talks about his experiences. And then they do us kind of a seance right on television, you know, and he starts reading. Uh, Is there an aunt Edna in your past? Did she wear green? She wants you to know that she's waiting for you. And I'm coming, Edna. Uh, you know, I mean, and stuff. And and it's it's become kind of a it, you know it used to be fake fake out entertainment. You know, w- you know, like Ouija board type stuff. Now it's mainstream, and people, oh yeah, that's real. Sure, yeah, he's talking to the dead. No problem with that. You know, I'm not really interested in that myself. You know, but seems kind of cool, and everybody's just okay with that. And so we're we're building up to this time. Verse twenty four. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part, so also the Son of Man will be in His day. This is a one-verse summary of that passage we read from Revelation. The second coming of Jesus will be visible to the entire planet as He descends from heaven to earth, revealed in His full glory. It'll be like a lightning strike. It'll be like lightning striking you. Remember a few months ago we had that bad storm and lightning struck this... Tree over here on uh, Leone and Grangeville. I had just gotten out. It was raining. I just went out to the car and was getting ready to. Actually, I turned the ignition on right as the lightning hit that tree. And even though it was a few blocks away, I mean, it was like it was right there. The everything flashed and there was this huge explosion. And I thought the mafia has caught up with me. <laughs> car bomb. That's all I thought. i could think. Man, they they got me confused with another Gene Pensiero. And, you know, they always follow through and kill somebody. And so I thought, I'm dead, you know. And then I thought, no, I'm, I'm alive. And this doesn't look like heaven, you know. And so, uh, and I thought, what well, must have hit the cross on top of the building. And I saw that was still intact. And I thought, Oh. Kenny is ashes because I knew Ken was over here in the courtyard trying to get water out of the tarp. You know, I thought, man, light too, you know, hopefully he's not using a metal rod to do that. You know, I so, said, ah, get me. But uh, so we were all okay. And then a few days later, we figured out what happened. But man, it was some of you have been close to lightning like that. I won't ask if any of you have been struck by lightning, but uh, maybe you have, but it's fantastic. And so what the Lord is saying is that it's going to be like when the heavens open and Jesus returns, it's going to be just so bright all over the world. I mean, it's just going to blow their minds. This, and what it is, is the glo- it's not lightning. It's the glory of Jesus Christ as he's revealed from heaven. Wow. Amazing. Now, why delay in establishing the kingdom of God on earth? Well, in verse 25, He must first suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus was letting his disciples know that he would be refused and rejected by their generation. You know, he would be arrested, illegally tried and convicted, and then executed by crucifixion as a criminal. The kingdom would therefore be delayed because the Jews rejected their king. When the kingdom does come, and it will come, It will bring judgment upon unbelievers. Jesus used two Old Testament historical examples to describe the judgment that would precede precede, his second coming. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, drank, married wives, given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, drank, bought, sold, planted, and built... But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, the point here is not that people will be enjoying normal life when the Lord returns. When you read about the Great Tribulation, you see that life on earth is anything but normal. The point Jesus was making was that the people will not observe That judgment is coming, no matter the warning signs. When you read about the Great Tribulation, especially in Revelation chapter 6 through 19, I mean, there are angels telling people that judgment is coming, and they still refuse to believe it. Let's look at these examples briefly. In the days of Noah, the warning sign was what? It was the building of the ark. The people laughed. At his boat, said that it wouldn't even float, which is part of a great song. But anyway, right up until the time the flood took them away to judgment and left Noah and his family behind. So you see the tie in? They missed the sign, refused to believe it. They were taken away by the flood to judgment while Noah was left behind. At Sodom and Gomorrah, the warning was brought by two angels in the midst of the citizens. The people ignored the warning right up until fire and brimstone rained upon them as judgment. Lot left the city and he was left behind on the earth. When Jesus is about to return, it will be obvious but ignored. Californians can relate to this. We often ignore traffic warning signs. If there's not a man with a gun, you are not taking a detour. I mean, be honest about it. Because how many times have you seen a sign, flooded? No, it's not. You and I both know it's not flooded. The last time you saw a sign that said flooded on Grangeville between here and Visalia, did you turn around? Oh man, I would better get back over to Highway 198, get onto the high ground. You just kept driving. And it either wasn't flooded or you drove through it. And so you frequently ignore warning signs. I am not taking any detour in Los Angeles. There's just, that's impossible. Because you know what they do? Detour, turn here. And then you turn there and you're lost in the middle of nowhere because that's the last sign that they put up. There's not enough money in the budget for further signs. I wouldn't mind taking a detour if they kept having signs, turn left. No, you're just, they assume the detour means get off and Google your destination and figure out how to get there because we're not telling you all we're telling you. And so you just keep driving until you can't go any farther. Occasionally, that's a problem, but. How often is it just the leftover sign and and nobody's paying attention to it? And so we understand this. Signs are ignored. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Verse 31. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Now, the housetop thing throws us because, you know, you think you're up on your roof fixing your air conditioning unit. But this is the Oriental type house, the Middle Eastern house that has a flat roof, which serves as a patio. And so, you know, he says, look, if you're up on your housetop and you see this lightning flash, this glory of God, it's going to be too late for you to do anything. You're not going to be able. If it were a disaster, you wouldn't have time to go back and get your belongings or any loved ones that are in the house. It would be too late. And and what Jesus is saying is, if you're not ready when he returns, it's going to be too late. There's not going to be any time or opportunity for unbelievers at that moment to say, wow, there's Jesus Christ. i better believe in him before I get taken away to judgment. It's just going to be too late. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. You remember the story as the angel was escorting Lot, his wife, and their two daughters out of town. Lot's wife looked back even though they told her not to. She was judged, turned into a pillar of salt, which probably means or could mean that the fire and brimstone fell upon her for turning back. And she becomes, her turning back was an illustration of what was going on in her heart and it's an illustration to us she wanted to remain in those cities her heart was in Sodom and Gomorrah she didn't want to be left into you know unless she could be left in those cities but instead she was taken to judgment she was seeking to save her old life as a result she lost it lot did lose what he had but his life was preserved now here comes the point verse 34 I tell you in that night there will be two men in one bed The one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women grinding together, one taken, the other left. Two men in the field, one will be taken and the other left. When Jesus returns, this is his second coming now, unbelievers will be taken by surprise and be taken away to judgment. Believers will be looking for him and they will be left behind. They will want to be left behind because Jesus is returning to set up and establish the kingdom of God on earth the great promise and hope of the Old Testament will finally be realized on planet earth the disciples were a little freaked out and so in verse 37 they said to him where Lord they understood that people would be taken and they wanted to know where they would be taken and so Jesus said to them wherever the body is there the eagles will be gathered together. And we saw what that meant earlier. They would be taken away to judgment because they were spiritually unprepared for Jesus Christ to return as king. Or in a kind of a spiritual analogy, what he's saying is they are unbelievers, spiritually dead. They're really nothing but dead carcasses because they don't have the Spirit of God in them. And when Jesus returns in his second coming, these spiritually lifeless unbelievers will be taken away to judgment as if vultures came down and picked their bones clean. Pretty serious stuff. If you're a believer, do you miss the Lord? Even though you've never seen Him, you do miss Him. Don't let the things of this earth crowd out your love for Him. It it happens, and then we need to return to our first love and desire to see Him more than anything else. Now, Jesus didn't explain it here, but later he would discuss his return for believers prior to the second coming in what we've called the rapture of the church. And I don't want to our is really not about the rapture, but I want to explain the Bible says that at any moment, any moment, Jesus will return in the air. And all the believers of the church age from the time of his resurrection until that moment, they will be caught up to be with the Lord. The dead in Christ will rise first. All the deceased believers whose bodies are cremated or in the grave or wherever they are, their spirits are in heaven. They'll be reunited with a glorified physical body and they'll be with the Lord. And then we which are alive and remain will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye you're going to get your glorified body whether or not your clothes are going to fall off and be neatly piled on the ground or I mean I don't know how all that works but that's the rapture of the church and there's no signs that need to be fulfilled at all for that to take place there's no warning signs there's no uh, prophecy that needs to yet be fulfilled that could happen imminently at any moment then And it may be the trigger for the seven-year great tribulation on earth. Seven years where literally hell breaks loose on earth. Read about it in Revelation. The end of that seven-year tribulation, Jesus returns the second time, the second coming. We read about it. Comes with what? Army from heaven. Hey, that's you and I. We're in the army now. Only we're wearing white robes, righteousness, we don't really do any fighting. So those of you who, you know, want to practice spiritual Kung Fu, there's none of that. Jesus just takes care. It's pretty cool to be in an army where you don't have to fight. I mean, the Lord's just going to take care of it. And so that's, that's, that's what's happening to believers. You and I could see the Lord at any moment. And so we should be missing him and desiring that reunion. If you're an unbeliever, if the rapture occurred right now, you'd be left behind. You do not want to be left behind to endure the horror of the great tribulation. Now, some people think it's romantic to be left behind and you could join the tribulation force. (laughs) You could go after the Antichrist. You know, that's all the I love these Revelation movies and these series of books and all that. But it's all about, you know, underground guerrilla warfare. Christians getting together, you know, terrorizing the Antichrist. I don't know. When I read Revelation, I see people just getting their heads lobbed off left and right. There's some Jewish believers, 144,000 evangelists that go around. Nobody can kill them. And they're sharing the gospel. And, but, you know, everybody else is fair game. And there's going to be a lot of persecution. Greg Laurie used to say, if you can't live for Jesus now, you won't be able to die for him then. And that's what it's really all about. Every now and then a Christian comes along... You know, somebody who's born again and they they want to be left in the tribulation because they want to, you know, be in this trib force army. Refer them to one of the local hospitals. (laughs) Not to me, but anyway. And so, you know, know, we're having a little fun with it just to lighten the edge a little bit. But this, you know, you don't want to be left behind. You definitely do not want to be left behind when Jesus returns to rapture his church. And that's not what he's talking about here, but that's what we're talking about now. And so if you're not a believer this morning, think about where you're going to spend eternity. Because the Lord is in your midst, and you don't want to miss him. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for these things. We believe that you're right here, right now, in our midst. Spiritually speaking, you promised you would be, you said that you would be gathered together with the church and we're the church and and we're gathered together and you're here with us, Lord. And, And so I pray that we would we would long for you and desire you and be in love with you. And if there's any here, Lord, that don't know you as savior, as Lord, that they would not miss you today, but that they would know that their hearts are being stirred and moved by the Holy Spirit to trust you for salvation that they would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved realize that they're sinners in need of a savior that they would give up their own observations their own expectations their own cultural understandings their own ethnic backgrounds and know that you are the God of the universe the God of the world the God of all nations and all people and that you're calling to them we pray these things in Jesus name and everyone said Amen. All right, let's stand together. Men will be back together again Wednesday morning for a uh, time of fellowship in the coffee shop, 630. Wednesday night Bible study, 7 o'clock to 815, then the coffee shop's open afterwards. Friday night, the cafe ministry, last one of the summer from 7 to 9, pop in and, and get blessed. Uh, all pending that Jesus doesn't return, which, which I'm really looking forward to. Some of the guys will be here after service to share with you and pray with you. If you have something on your heart that you want to give to the Lord, a worry, a concern, you want to be prayed for for healing, whatever it is, maybe you just have a praise request. We'd love to share that with you. God bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name, amen.